Hey friends, you're listening to Go Home Baba, You're Drunk, an irreverent media podcast. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Welcome to Go Home Bible, You're Drunk, the podcast where we drag out our Bibles, dust them off, and we see if there's anything of value still there. And if there's not, we at least have a good time and get a little tipsy with it. My name is Justin Gentry. I am one of your co-hosts today. I am a seminarian, ministry dropout, defrocked, formerly licensed minister, and internet bible guru according to the twitter i'm joined today by hi yeah it's me tori i'm also a bible college dropout i I keep saying also but you didn't actually drop out you like did the thing you went the the whole whole way yes yes um but yeah i was born and raised in um like extremely white evangelical churches where um you know uh the the political ideology was like trumped the Bible a little bit. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I've read the Bible cover to cover many, many times. And um, yeah, it always, it always made me feel a little nuts. So yeah, but I think we have, we have a third host who's going to join us yep. for the rest of the episode. And we're so excited. Hi, everybody. Uh, so I'm Andrew Seidel. This is uh, my, my first time on this lovely podcast. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, I'm the author of The Founding Myth, Why Christian Nationalism is Un-American. Uh, I'm a constitutional attorney. Uh, my day job is defending the separation of state and church at the Freedom From Religion Foundation. And I was lucky enough to be uh, raised in a very non-religious household. We watched Monty Python's Life of Brian every Easter. My mom's guiding principle was to question all authority all the time. Uh, and she really imparted that to me. So I, I had a, uh, a much easier uh, upbringing when it comes to the religion side of things uh, than, than, than you folks do. And I stand in awe of the intellectual journey you have both taken. Oh, well, thank you very um, much. Yeah, thank you. By the way, anyone who is listening, um, Andrew's book is amazing. So. I checked it out of the library. I'm a big fan. Andrew is the only person that I know, know of, who knows the Bible better than I do. And that's saying something. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still, I tweet about this every once in a while and I'm really upset about it and nobody cares. <laughs> I'm the only person in the world that cares about this. Anyway. Nice. 
I mean, no pressure for my appearance now. I have to really like show how well I know this awful story that we're about to talk about. I, 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 like, I literally read your book and I was like, I, all of this just went right over my head, which I guess is why this podcast exists is because now we have to go back and like re-examine all these narratives that we were given and didn't critically examine at the time. Yep. So yeah. So we're definitely looking forward to that as we move along in our little podcast journey today. But first, we wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on this week in evangelicalism. Uh, and and more, I guess more conservatism, but I also think evangelicalism has played a huge role in what happened on January 6th in this country and also the hearings throughout. Uh, there was the, this week, uh, the first kind of main public hearing came out. There were police officers that testified. There were several other um, experts that testified. And it was it was very eye-opening. I didn't watch it, but I read some of the coverage and saw some of the highlights and it was uh, disturbing, I think. Uh, I don't think I was surprised necessarily, but it definitely, it was, it was still that kind of that gut punch that I think, um, I think we're all still contextualizing from January 6th. And we're, you know, we're very excited to have Andrew on today to talk a little bit more about, you know, how do we, how do we feel about this? How does this <laughs> intersect with, how do, how does this intersect with religion, deconstruction and conservatism, and maybe even how do we find a path forward? Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I, I'll say first, I've been really immersed in the investigations into January 6th. Uh, I watched like everybody did in horror that day as the Capitol was overrun. And I remember seeing live the coverage uh, of, of a Christian flag being paraded on the floor of the US Senate. And I being able to identify that and, and tweeting it out. And there was and is a massive thread of conservative evangelical Christianity that runs through the January 6th attack. Um, I've been talking about it under the umbrella of Christian nationalism, and I, I do not think it is possible to understand what happened on January 6th or to prevent a recurrence without really fully understanding and exploring the role that religion and specifically Christian nationalism played in that. So I actually, I wrote an op-ed for the Religion Dispatches just yesterday, because um, I, I did watch the hearing from, from beginning to end, and, and, and the, the testimony was, I mean, was gut-wrenching. I mean, these officers, um, you know, they spoke about the violence inflicted upon them, the injuries they suffered, the number of times they were electrocuted, um, mm -hmm. how the mob tried to gouge out their eyes and grab their guns, that one was dragged out into the mob and beaten, the chemicals they were doused with, the surgeries they've had to endure. Uh, you know, one of their officers, fellow officers, uh, killed himself. Many have resigned. Um, and then they spoke about the anger and indifference of the politicians who are just denying the seriousness of the assault. But one of them, and this was the first time you really heard it mentioned in Congress, uh, in all of Trump's second impeachment, and really um, it, with this new select committee, one of the officers, Officer Hodges, actually talked about how uh, he said it was clear that the terrorists perceived themselves to be Christians. Mm -hmm. I saw a Christian flag directly to my front. Another read, Jesus is my savior. Trump is my president. Another, Jesus is king. And that was the first time you really heard anybody 
other than people like me and us and, and authors and journalists who have been investigating this, talking about the role that evangelicalism or Christian nationalism played. So it was really good to see. And I, I don't think it can be ignored by the select committee anymore. Yeah. There's, there's like a, they're slowly merging together over the last several decades. Yes. Um, and, you know, a lot, a lot of folks have been kind of researching this phenomenon because evangelicalism is going from primary or primarily like a belief system, like an, to a political label. And the people who identify as evangelical don't necessarily hold like the evangelical kind of tenets that, that, that Justin and I grew up with. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's still how they choose, how they choose to identify. And yeah, I think that there's not, um, you know, there, there's always been, at least, you know, in my couple of decades in church, there was always like nationalism was always a big deal, right? It was like, whenever, whatever service it was bef like right before 4th of July, it was like flags up, mm -hmm. fighter jets, like we're going to sing and you know just kind of talk about how america is so great and god chose us and um so there's always been a huge huge nationalism kind of push in in white evangelicalism i shouldn't say always like in my experience like in my lived experience that was yeah. yes but now now it's 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 a lot more intense from what i understand mm -hmm. like talking to people um who are are in the process of like leaving the church right now um people who have been in church for you know 30 40 50 years um and yeah it's like there's this very kind of serious like they're kind of circling the wagons i guess it's like you're in or out right there's no more there's no more wiggle room um and like i you know it's it's on the political ideology that's it's not the jesus thing that you're in or out that's yeah. not it Right. It's it's abortion. It's gun rights. It's Trump. And it is. Yeah. Christian nationalism. Yeah. It's anti it's anti-vax like those. Mm -hmm, it, it, mm -hmm. it is a it's become more. I, there was a litmus test always. Yes. Of beliefs with things like you have to believe X, Y and Z. But what is being added is increasing for sure. I'm also seeing it. It's much more political, too. You know, so instead of like, you could vote Republican, but you know, we have some Democrats here. That's fine. It's just a, that's a choice issue. Like that's become much more polarized, much more hardened mm -hmm. in the position mm -hmm. that I, I'm seeing in the way that I'm hearing people talk. And so, and, and who's buying all the guns right now? Like if you were to do a Venn diagram of who is, is arming themselves to take America back for God, it's, it's white evangelical Christians. And that's that's a disturbing thing to me for sure. I think I think you're both 100% right on everything you've just said. I all, and I think you can kind of see it on the flip side of that too that as the political precepts or tenets become more important you also are seeing the walls between the sects fall down. So you're seeing like a lot of very white conservative Catholics now yes. aligning with white evangelicals on a whole host of issues. And their, yeah. their, their sectarian differences seem to matter a lot less than they did 20, 30, 40 years ago um, mm -hmm. because they're uniting along political lines as well. Yeah, yeah, it's bizarre. It's, right, it's like we, you know, 
we didn't, we didn't, I mean, we didn't really, we didn't run with Catholics really ever. That was kind of <laughs> like, they're weird, you know, like we're not really sure about that. Maybe, maybe they're Christians, maybe they're not. We'll see when we get there sort of deal. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that, I think that like pulling the way that the label of evangelicalism as, as a political identifier is kind of pulling all of these people in from all of these different like religious sects, variants is what I'm calling them now. Mm-hmm. Um, is really fascinating brands different brands of religion yeah this Uh, is like the only place where there's actually like freedom of choice and diversity in like what we're being sold right it's not like they're all (laughs) under these it's like you can pick whatever flavor you want and they're all kind of unique which is why they get away with so much shit because nobody's (laughs) in charge they just do what they want yeah yeah, I, I also think it's interesting too. I don't know what the trends are as far as age goes, but it seems like as as every year we see conservatism and evangelicalism as a piece of the population getting smaller and smaller. It's like they get more powerful, strangely, and more and more outspoken and more hardened in the views, in their views. And I, I think that I don't know if it's just cultural cultural inertia that we still give them so much power and sway, but it seems to me like the numbers are less and less, but they almost took out the Capitol. Yeah. And they almost killed senators and Congress people. And honestly, I think if it wouldn't have been public pressure, everyone would have gotten away with it. I think that's true. I mean, and the way that I've talked about that in the past, and it's something I talk about a lot um, before in the, in the before times when I was actually, you know, like out on a book tour and, and doing events for the Freedom From Religion Foundation, this would come up all the time. And they're, they're raging against the dying of their privilege, right? That they, they can read the demographic studies as well as we can. Uh, in the before times, they would look out into their congregation and they would not see young smiling faces looking back at them. They would see white hair and empty pews. Right, they know what is coming, um, and they are doing their damnedest to solidify and codify their privilege into our law while they still have the power to do so. Um, and and that's you know, I mean, this I'm opening a whole new can of worms here, but I'm going to do it anyway. I mean, the, the whole the idea of religious freedom and weaponizing that into a tool to impose on other people, and they're using the courts to do that now. I mean, that that is what you are seeing. They are they are raging against the dying of their privilege. That's why they're so pissed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah i don't know i don't have anything to add to that yeah, it's, spot it's like, on yeah we're like yep i totally agree <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i get what is Thank a you. oh go ahead what is a i do want to kind of land maybe on a hopeful note if possible um is what is a you know tori or andrew either one what do we what do we see shifting positively that will make another January 6th less likely or what can people do? Like, that's my, my fear is that we look at this and we see them raging and it's like, there's a sense of inevitability that this will get worse. There's going to be bombings. There's going to be shootings. There's going to, you know, this is, and maybe in 20 years when enough of them are dead, this will be over hopefully. Um, But I want to try to, as much as I can, even in my mind, not to give in to despair. And so is there, is there something that we can do to prevent these things from happening 
or is there someone on Capitol Hill that's actually making things happen? Positive. I mean, there, there there is a lot of movement. There's an appetite on Capitol Hill to obviously to investigate what happened. Um, again, I don't think you can understand what happened without understanding the religious element, without understanding Christian nationalism and evangelicalism. And, and one of the things that I, that I did my op-ed was to call on the select committee to investigate that role. And I can tell you that there are a number of us um, who are working on this. Um, Jeff Charlotte just wrote a piece in Vanity Fair where he kind of teased some of the work that we've been doing together um, trying to, to raise this behind the scenes with legislators and explain to them what the problem is um, and explain to them that you, you can't separate. If you believe that Trump was chosen by God to lead this country, you can't separate that from the attack on the Capitol because obviously somebody stole the election. If God wanted Trump to be president and he's not, obviously somebody stole the election, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, you, you cannot separate those two things. And, and to pretend that you can um, is, is asking for a repeat. Um, so, I mean, I, I, and, and if you boil that down even further, this it all becomes a problem of, of disinformation, which is just, it, it's the real, it's the, it's another plague uh, on our society right now. And yeah. We have COVID, which is actually killing people, but disinformation is too. Um, and that, that's one of the reasons I wrote The Founding Myth, why Christian nationalism is un-American. I'm trying to get at the disinformation that feeds the identity that attacked the Capitol. Mm -hmm. mm. That's good. Yeah, I, it, it's been so this, this and all, a lot of these stories that have come out and, and COVID and, and too has, has been so distressing for me to watch the misinformation keep happening. Yeah. Like there, there are people that I've had conversations with and I've stopped, but it's like, we have had the same conversation three times this year, yeah. you know, about how COVID spreads how just because you work out, you're not safe, like, or, you know, or, you know, whatever, whatever you want to talk about, like, I don't want to get super into COVID, but yeah, misinformation has been such, and it's so sticky for some reason. It's like, here's a study, like, here are links, <laughs> like, here's a summary of the study in like kindergarten English, like, yeah. uh, can't trust those scientists, like, oh my God. Um, but, you know, I, you know, we will get through this, I think. And if not, we can drink, which is a cool <laughs> Oh, <next>. hell yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so today uh, we're going to get into the story of Lot and... <laughs> gird your loins, everybody. Yeah, it's gird your rough. loins. This one's going to be rough. Uh, <laughs> That's... Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that was good. It was, it was uh, an apt warning. Yeah, it was very good. Yeah, there, there, there are multiple trigger warnings incoming. Um, yes. So the story of Lot is, it's difficult and it's, it's one that sections of it have been used to weaponize all, all kinds of things. And so I think it's a definitely mm -hmm. one that I want to get into and I'm glad we have a guest to get into it with us. Um, so, but we also do drinking games every time. So if it's a little too much, you know, feel free to turn off. But if it's like, mm, I think I could do this if I have a drink, um, then this game is for you. Anytime that Lot does something that, not Lot, just anything. Anytime anyone does something in this story that would definitely get you thrown in jail, um, you should go ahead and just take a drink. And if you're not a drinking person, that's fine. Take a drink of water, do a push-up, burpee. Uh, if you're in your car, just, you know, don't drink for one. But if you're in your car, you know, take a drink of water or something. And uh, just, yeah, enjoy it. It's a fun game, something to listen for. 
we're going to have Andrew take it away and he's going to do the story of Lot and Tori and I will interject here in a little bit and then we'll kind of go back and forth and some commentary. So yeah, I mean, it. this is, um, you know, when, when you guys started the podcast, um, Tor, uh, I saw Tori, I think tweet about it and I said, oh my gosh, uh, can I please come on and talk about my, my like least favorite of all stories, the story of Lot <laughs> and you kindly agreed to have me on. Um, this is just, to me, this is just one of the, one of the stories where I, I don't see how you can read this and it's early in the Bible. I don't see how you can read this and think, yeah, now that is a God that I want to follow. Um, <laughs> I, like this would be just, this should just be a very big warning light to everybody. And it's, you know, it's Genesis 19. Um, it's kind of, I think, you could kind of, I think we should maybe start in Genesis 18, where you have Abraham and God having a conversation, an argument really about God wants to commit genocide which is, uh, would, would get you thrown in jail. Um, and Abraham I mean, now, like, nowadays, not so yeah. much then. That's not so bad, much then. Pretty, pretty common actually in the, in the Bible. Um, and Abraham's like, Hey, um, you know, maybe not like, what if, you know, there are some righteous people in, in this, these villages and God's like, okay, fine. Well, you know, maybe, maybe not. And then they have the argument over how many righteous people basically. And Abraham keeps knocking it down by, I think five, you know, 45, 40, 30, 35, whatever. And God finally is like, okay, fine. Well, we'll save the righteous ones. And that's sort of the, the basis for the, the story then of Lot. Um, so you cut to scene two. And it is Lot in his house in, I, I don't even actually, you know, I don't even know whether it's Sodom or Gomorrah. I think it's Sodom. Mm -hmm. Who knows? It's one of the two. It's, it's like Minneapolis and St. Paul, you know? Okay. It's kind of like... <laughs> In the greater Sodomoro metro area, yes. um, <laughs> the metro. God sends a couple angels to rescue uh, the the righteous. Uh, is the adjective that they use the righteous lot? Um, and I mean, to me, this is this is really I, you know I think a lot of people might read this today, and I, I could be wrong because I'm not I'm, I didn't grow up in this culture, but read righteous as good or innocent, right? As a synonym for being good or innocent. Uh, and I think later on in the story, as we'll find out, that that is not true. Um, <laughs> that is not what righteous means. I think it's pretty clear from from later parts of this story and the rest of the Bible that righteous means believing in the right God. Because um, Lot is kind of a bad dude. Uh, so God sends two angels to save this man who believes in him. And... The town notices that there are these two strangers in Lot's house, and they they knock on his door. It's kind of like you know, like a big bad wolf, three little pigs situation, and you know, little Lot, little Lot, let us in. And um, Lot says that with, with the the phrase they say is. Um, Bring them out so that we can lie with them. No, what is it? Hang on. I should get it exactly. <laughs> okay, but I just have to say, like, it's very yeah. clear that the angels, angels, like in the first couple of books, must have been really fucking hot because everybody <laughs> wants to do them. Like yeah. consent, no consent, doesn't matter. Like, give me that shit. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The whole angel orgy thing. Yeah. It's this I mean, is not that, right? I but mean, like, angelic. I, yeah, I get it. They look I angelic. Why not? They get there's you know, sparkly skin or whatever. You know? It's like, dude, there's nothing else going on. It's Sodom yeah. and Gomorrah. Yeah. We've, we've done all the things. There's now new things to do. 
Yeah. So it's like a fresh fish situation. Yeah, totally. Okay. So, so the mob, yeah. So the mob says, bring them out to us so that we may know them. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So the mob is, the the mob is, um, it's, it's a rape mob. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and lot says, comes to the door and says, no, 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 listen, don't, these people are guests in my house. Uh, so here I have two virgin daughters, take them and do whatever you want with them. Um, I'm pretty sure that's almost what he says verbatim, according to the Bible again, probably didn't happen. Um, so he sends his two daughters out to be gang raped by a mob instead of sending out the angels. Mm -hmm. And you know, one thing that really bothers me about this story other than the gang rape of the daughters, the father sacrificing his daughters, the angels are just standing by apparently letting this happen, right? And later on, like a couple of verses later, they blind the whole mob yeah. so that, I, I don't remember, I don't remember why they do that, but they, they clearly have the power to do something and they are, you know, supposed to be these agents of righteousness and they are just like, yeah, no, that's, that makes sense. Yeah, you should totally send your virgin daughters out to be, to be gang raped instead. Mm -hmm. Um, so just, I mean, just a flat out awful, awful, and it's really just the beginning of the story. I mean, this is, we're really kind of in, you know, you know, scene, scene two of, of the story. Um, and I, I, to me, I don't see how you can read that as a, as a parent, um, and then think that this is the, a book that you want to uh, you know, to continue to use as a guide for life, right? Mm -hmm. That again, like it is the righteous man. The, this is the person that God is saving from genocide. And this is what he does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's interesting too, that he, you know, he does this stuff like, you know, says, Hey, sure. His daughter's like that, that's seen as fine. Like that is yeah. not, there's no, like, and the the moral judgment, even as as an evangelical or as a conservative reads at this, the moral judgment isn't on him trying to pimp out his daughters. The moral judgment is on the men wanting the to have crowd. sex the crowd. with men. Yeah, the men wanting to have sex with men. That's the thing that that's destroyed Sodom. Yeah, but Lot, you know, trying to pimp out his his kids. Like, well, he was righteous, so I guess that's okay. You know. Uh, yeah, it, you're right. As a parent, I, I cannot imagine. Like, and, and then, yeah, because the, the angels, once they start to get attacked, they struck everybody with blindness. Like, hey, could have opened with that, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just do that. Like, when the mob comes to the door, just do that right then. Yeah. The, They're the, all the going to die like, anyway. Yeah, angels could be like, you know what? Uh, we'll just blind them. Don't worry about it. No, please do not send your daughters out to them. Are you crazy? Why would you be a dick? Like, we'll just take care of this. But no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so it's um, it, I mean, it's it's just a very, it's a perverted morality, and and mm -hmm. reading things like that and trying to reason your way out of them and trying mm -hmm. to 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 reason that as a as a child or as a young parent, um, I mean, that is just that's guaranteed uh, to screw your moral compass up for a long time. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. Uh, that happens. All that happened. I, I don't know where if people are following along um, in terms of the drinking game, but like, there's a lot there that was wrong. You got to be a few cups in now. 
there's a, there's a lot of there was a lot of crime happening there. There was a lot of crime. Yeah. Um, oh man, and this is like their this is like their pet thing right now is sex trafficking. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, but you don't actually care about that in the Bible, so cool, good times. Yeah. Yeah. Or when like Congressman Matt Gates like is is getting involved in it, like yeah. Um, no. Anyway, I mean, yeah. I, I've never been one to accuse uh, evangelicals of intellectual consistency so anyway um that's fair so so two daughters um the angels strike them with blindness and then um basically everybody goes to bed like nothing really happened and then they wake up in the morning um and <clears throat> the angels tell lot hey go get any of your you know in-laws whatever who you want to save and and get out of town and lot goes to get some of his in-laws and they don't believe him um so i guess they stay and then lot uh and his wife and their two daughters leave town uh the angels say get out of here and and whatever you do don't look back uh because that i guess is important um so they get up they leave and as god is committing a massive genocide against these people um again like i i can understand i could kind of understand like genocide for for like gang rapists but not for people who just want to have sex with hot angels as tori put it right like yeah um or 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 people of the same sex for that matter uh that's just downright immoral so uh you might want to drink for that genocide possibly get yeah. you thrown in jail today yeah you would um, not be able to rain down fire and sulfur on someone's home today yeah unless <laughs> you are the u.s military and then that's ah uh, shit you had to go there then it's more right then it's more right if we do it it's fine yeah, yeah. if you do it you yeah. go to jail yeah. yeah one nation under god y'all yeah. um okay so <laughs> Uh, God rains down sulfur and fire, I believe, um, comes out of the sky. Must have been alarming. And Lot, also, I mean, really, like, something you'd want to see. Like, it'd be very hard not to look, right? And so Lot's wife, of course, looks, and God kills her. Uh, He turns her into a pillar of salt for violating the no peaking command. Yeah. I mean it's like say it's like telling a kid not to look at fireworks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I all all of those of all the things in the Bible that have bothered me, it's always those weird little tricks. Like, you know, they're not there's not a ton of them in the scriptures, but those weird little don't look or if you know, if you go around Jericho seven times, make sure you don't talk. You know, those little weird almost like they remind me of like fairy bargains, like from European tales. <laughs> And those are the things that like stick with me. Like, there's no way I wouldn't be able to look. Like, there's no way. I, so I, well, I it smells really like death. Like, you yeah. hear people screaming because they're being incinerated. Like, yeah, I feel, feel like you're going to yeah. turn around. Yeah. Also, I mean, was she even there when they said, don't look? Like, clearly, he doesn't care about any of the women in his family. So maybe he just didn't tell her. Possible. That's, that's, a, I think that's a fantastic point, right? Like, like, Maybe the angels just said a lot, hey, uh, by the way, tell everybody not to turn around and look. And he just failed to do that. I mean, he did give his daughters up to be gang raped. And here's a fun fact. We don't ever know their name. 
we, we don't know we don't know the daughter's names ever for playing such like a central role in this story we have no idea what their names were uh they were they're not individuals worthy of being named according to the biblical authors um hmm. which actually as you you know happens a lot yeah. in in the bible we just we know so many biblical women by their male relations manoah's wife Jephthah's yeah. daughter who yeah. he sacrifices all of the wives on noah's ark who are like as important as eve if that story is true right yes none yes. of their names <laughs> Like yeah. the, just the matriarchs of the whole human race, but we don't need to know their names. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Okay. Yeah. I, I lost my train of thought. Where were we? It's a great No book. peaking. Yeah. No peaking pillar of salt. Yeah. No peaking pillar of salt. So, um, so now it's just Lot and his daughters, which makes me question the whole God killed Lot's wife thing, but that's a mystery for maybe later on in the pod. Um, and then they go to a town whose name escapes me at the, the time, at the moment. Um, they leave that town pretty quick and go up into the hills to live in a cave. Um, and this is like where it starts to get like dark, <laughs> which for this a story that's already had gang rape and genocide, like, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's crazy. So um, the girls, this is, I mean, there's, there's two things happening here, right? There's like, there's like, how the Bible tells the story and then like what would this have looked like in reality if this were true or if this were a story from the time that a book was based on yeah um and so the, the way the story goes is um the girls decide that it's really important to continue their bloodline with their fathers so they decide they plan to get him drunk and seduce their unconscious father so they can get pregnant uh, and the, the first night, the eldest daughter gets Lot drunk, uh, goes and seduces him before after he passes out and before he wakes up, she's gone. So he never knows it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a red flag in your story. Um, and then the same thing the next night with the youngest one, uh, with the, the, the younger daughter. I mean, there's just like so the Bible is blaming. And, and then excuse me. And then both girls become pregnant by their father. Yeah. Right, so so the Bible blames this on young nameless girls, um, claiming that they plotted together to preserve their family line to get their dad drunk and then rape him without his knowledge. And and to me, the question that you have to ask then, as a serious human being, is is which is more likely, right? That the, the male author, it was definitely a male author of a book of the Bible, which Genesis we're still in, blames women for a crime committed by male assailant. I mean, look at the story of Eve, right? Um, mm -hmm. So con consistently blames women for crimes committed by male assailants. Um, or, or that two young girls who their dad offered up for gang rape uh, were then raped by their father. To preserve uh, his line for him. Yeah, after, after their mother was offed either by Lot or God, right? I mean- Lot or God. Yeah, I, it, it, to me, this is just, right? Like. It's, it's victim blaming. It's the first instance of victim blaming like in print. Uh, and, and if you knew nothing else about the Bible, this would tell you that it was written by a bunch of dudes. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. 
It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Mm-hmm. Who hated right. women. I, yeah. Who, yeah. Like, really hated women. Women hating dudes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, yeah. Maybe maybe they didn't hate women quite as much as Lot hated his, his family members, but uh, mm-hmm. it was up there. It was up there. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't, I mean, he wasn't a big fan of his daughters, clearly. So if if we're arguing that he was respecting them elsewhere, seems unlikely to me. Yeah, and in, in, in our first episode on Noah's Ark, we talked a little bit about how using using the Noah story as an origin story for all the people that we hate, or that the Israelites this was Israelite mythology. Mm-hmm. And I was I was just reading it, it like. Both of these sons of, of this union become nations again that Israel hates, like the Moabites, oh yeah the, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and the Ammonites. right? Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 like they take the story which may or may not have happened, or it's got occluded edges, or maybe there was a city named Sodom that a volcano erupted, and they're like, why was this? Must have been the the gays. I don't know. Like yeah, <laughs> you know, like anyway. And so it's like, well, uh, this was where we got these people over on the other side of this hill that are awful and terrible. Yeah. And like, so that's that's the story we tell about it. No, it's I mean, and, and, the, and there's a lot of that in this story, right? The more you like peel back, the more awful layers there are, right? Because you know what happens to the Ammonites in Second Samuel, um, maybe chapter nine or ten, mm-hmm. right? That David kills them all. Um, I mean, and you're 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 essentially establishing or Maybe it's a post hoc justification, depending on the timeline that this was written, right? Uh, that it's okay to kill those people because they have, look at this original sin as to how their people were created. Um, and I mean, again, you know, the more you peel back, you can, you can know, or we can, I guess we should say we could at least surmise um, that Lot was repeatedly raping his daughters up in that cave, right? I mean, the Bible says mm-hmm. that they got drunk, they got him drunk on two consecutive nights and got pregnant, which is just not the way human Not how cycles works. work yeah and we like we know the bible doesn't know anything about human reproduction yeah um so i mean yeah i mean and then there's just there's so much of that um and it, it, here's here's another fun tie-in with noah too right this that it's not the only time that a drunken father condemns their lineage to pain and infamy because i mean remember noah passes mm-hmm. out drunk and naked like the frat boy, uh, Ham, his son, walks in on him and sees the old naked sot drunk and passed out. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Noah takes his, his hangover out, not on Ham, but on Ham's son, Canaan, and condemns Canaan, oh. an innocent child, to a life of slavery, uh, providing one of the many justifications for centuries of rape and murder and torture and subjugation of black people, all for the crime. And you can't see it here now, folks. This is a lawyer doing very sarcastic yeah. air, qu- air quotes around crime <laughs> of seeing Noah drunk and passed out. Yeah. Because <sighs> yeah. that definitely never happened when they were living on a boat for a year with yeah. a bunch of animals and nowhere to bathe. Or when they were constructing the ark for God knows how long. And... <laughs> Hundreds of years of construction. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, my family were not nudists at all and definitely have seen my father's incidental nakedness in a modern <laughs> home too. Like, so like they live in tents right. for goodness sakes. Right, exactly. <laughs> Probably communal tents as well. So and, yeah. ju- and Justin, he did not condemn your son to or, da- or daughter to a life of slavery. That's very, yeah. very strange. It's very progressive. Very progressive yeah. of my father <laughs> to, to yeah. not condemn my son yeah. for my crime of seeing him naked. Yeah, for sure. Right, yeah. 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 So, I mean, I don't know where you land on the drinking game. I hope people are not uh, like Noah at the moment and, and passed out naked. Passed out. Uh, I, w- I would understand. Uh, I mean, but the, but right. The litany of immorality, is, it's so intense in this story. Yeah. God is committing genocide. God is agreeing to save a clearly immoral, just awful man simply because he's righteous. Uh, you have the, the, that righteous man offering his daughters up for rape. Um, and then these angels who are immortal beings just standing by letting that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my, my feeling is if you have sort of omnipotence, you shouldn't let bad things happen. So I don't know. Um, you have God killing a woman, maybe, maybe not God, maybe Lot, you know, who knows? This is my, I guess this is my biblical conspiracy theory. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, killing a woman that he previously thought worthy of saving from genocide because she peaked. Um, then you have a father raping his two daughters, uh, one of whom he had just subjected to gang rape at the hands of a mob, and then blaming the rape on them in print for all eternity. Yeah. So it's a pretty shitty story. Yeah, pretty shitty guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty shitty story. I I don't know that there is a morality per se, but it, if you're deriving your morality from this, yeah. I have a question. You're going to come to some weird conclusions. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> no, but my question, like, why why were we being taught this story as children so frequently? Yeah. Like, what was that about? Well, I, I mean, I think the, the, the answer from an outsider looking in would be that homosexuality is far worse than all of that evil that we just discussed. Combined. Yeah. 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 I, I, that's where I heard it as a kid was in comparison to all these people, Lot is righteous. Like, so, and I remember, I don't think that Lot was ever portrayed to me as a righteous moral person in evangelicalism. Like trying to think back on lessons about this passage. I don't think anyone said Lot is someone to look up to. It was more like a, Lot was the most righteous person in this city. And look how terrible Lot was. That must mean that God really hates homosexuality. Like that's kind of the way that it was approached. I mean, the the great God-Abraham debate of Genesis 18 is like all about how, you know, it is righteous. And and that, I mean, that word just to me, it's so fraught and so, um, it's so slippery today. Right. Like, I mean, it, it had yeah, like a word like that, that it was, it was so central to religion at the time and coming down through 2000, 3000 years, like, you know, it's going to have changed meanings quite a bit too. Um, so mm-hmm. but you're, Justin, you're saying that he wasn't held up as like a moral person. He was just held up as like the right kind of a person. Yeah. I think it's, it, I, I think I remember, I'm trying to, like, my brain, like, it remembers this stuff in doses, for sure, because I think I've blocked a lot of it <laughs> it's out. It's probably safer that way. <laughs> but I think it's more of a, like, it, Abraham is pleading for his kinsman Lot on that mountain, like, because they, you know, they didn't know each other, was it like, and so, but 
Lot is righteous because of his relationship to Abraham, not necessarily because he is a good person. Um, and so that's what saves him, which again, from just an overarching moral and ethics perspective is, is still awful. Um, but it's used to like kind of twist that knife into the LGBTQ community as well mm-hmm. to be like, well, I mean, look how terrible Lot was, but what you guys are is worse. Um, yeah. so bad that God just mm-hmm. wanted to kill the city. Um, and, and that to me is, again, that's weaponizing a story that even biblical scholars, people that have dedicated their lives to this don't agree on. Well, the Bible doesn't either, right? No, like, no, no. It doesn't. Like there are, I don't remember how many mentions, but like, like Sodom and Gomorrah comes up frequently in both mm-hmm. the rest of the Old and New Testament. And there, I'm not going to remember the, the, but the, the, I'm not going to remember the exact phrases, but the, the crimes that they um, associate with it, with Sodom and Gomorrah in those later mentions are, there's, there's a lot of them. And, and yes. I mean, it's adultery and it's filthy conversation, I want to say was one of them. Um, I can't. Well, remember. Can... Yeah. well, the one, the one that is the most, the one that is the most on the nose and specific is in Ezekiel, and I just, I just looked it up because I, I remember it. It's Ezekiel sixteen. You know, it says this is the crime, like being arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy, which so, is way different than being gay. Yeah, and like would have a different. I mean, you know, if that would have a different. Um, landing today in an evangelical church if they heard that on sunday morning i would think overfed and unconcerned to me read american (laughs) yeah like that's that's arrogant overfed and unconcerned i can show you my facebook feed (laughs) and i you know and and that's the interesting thing too the times where the bible does kind of park an actual sin on sodom it's more like a lack of hospitality and in the sense that this angry mob is not there. They're not, they, they aren't raping these angels because they are sexually attracted to them in the way we would understand that today. They're threatening to rape these men to show some kind of dominance. Dominance. Yeah. Almost almost like, like what, what we would maybe call prison morality today. Like, it's it's a it's a dominance thing. It's a military thing. It's a these people are in here and we don't want them here thing. It's not a we're gay thing. Um, and hmm. or or that sh- that also shoots a hole in Tori's angels are hot theory too. I true, guess. it could be. Or at least there's. The I mean, it could have it could have gone both ways. Yeah, it could be both. Um, I mean, it could be hot. It's just not why they were. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's well, it's parked hmm. on a, la- a lack of hospitality and being arrogant and and unconcerned for decorum the decorum of the day, which was taking care of the poor and that kind of thing. It wasn't like they're gay because they understood orientation then. Like that's not it, right? That's how sex worked back then. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, also no, I was... it's that, but that's like one line in the whole story, right? Like the, yeah. the mob coming to the the door and you know, little pig, little pig, like that's like one sentence and, and all of the rest of it is Lot and his just evil relationship with his daughter, uh, daughters and, and, and sending them outside. And to me, it's just, it's, that, that is, it's even crazy to focus on the mob as though they are the, the point of the story and not all the rest of it and, and take mm-hmm. your 
your moral lesson from the fact um yeah i don't know it's just it's again i feel like i feel like something that goes really unexamined though at least in in my experience in evangelicalism is this idea of righteousness by proximity and like not not proximity to christ proximity to abraham and how that just kind of was like an overflow thing situation um because yeah like lot isn't a i, I mean in, in the conceptualization of righteousness that we have today like lot is not a righteous man by any stretch of the imagination um i mean he's he's not he's not he's not even like nice <laughs> never mind righteous he's deeply and so it's like evil and <laughs> But is he still like somehow worthy of protection or something? And just because of, just because Abraham's brother was his dad or something, I think I think it was his nephew. I don't his remember. Nephew, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. It's just that's just so it's so weird to me that we never unpack that, given the number of times that we like went through the story. It was like, oh yeah you know, Lot deserves to be saved. Like he was, he was the righteous guy. Right. And he, he was, he was Abraham's family. So clearly, now I guess now that I'm thinking about it, the way that they keep sexual predators in the church, this all actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's, it, it's one of those things that I think because in evangelicalism, every, every story in the Bible has to have a moral. It has to have a reason for being in there that we would understand, you know, it, mm. like, so even if ancient writers had a different reason for it that we wouldn't understand, like a uh, moral has to be attached to it um, because it's God's word and it's infallible. And so I think so much of this story gets glossed over because it becomes the, like, this is God condemning the gays story. And that's right. the, that's the lens you view it through. So mm -hmm. You can gloss over a lot of it, I think, when you have this mm. preconceived notion that this is what this story is about. And so you don't unpack it. Or if you do, or if someone like Tori or I are sitting in Sunday school, because this is because we were definitely those kids, we're like, hey, the guy raped his daughters down here. Are we going to cover that? Um, and they're like, well, yeah, that was how it was back then. Like, that's kind of like the way it just, it's waved off as just like, that's normal a it's not important wow. piece to the story let's please move on we'll give you a star in Sunday school just to shut you up and, wow. and and so yeah it's just not really talked about but I I think Tori I want to unpack a little more your righteousness by proximity because I think this maybe even ties back to January 6th um mm -hmm. which is I think morality is maybe always has been, but is, or maybe it just is becoming in this country, a, I belong to the right group and whatever that group does is right because that group says it is. So like I'm part of a church or I'm part of a, a political party that because of my association with it, I am moral and I'm good. And it makes me feel good to be a part of it. And whatever they do, if they overthrow the government, like, well, we did it. So that must mean it's right. Or like if we decide that, you know, Donald Trump is our president, like then he's God's man, like, because we're right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the morality of the character 
formation, the ethics don't matter anymore. It's only yeah. about like my proximity to power, my proximity to what I view as right. And, and that's becoming, or maybe it always has been, I'm just, this is a fresh thought. So it's maybe um, the two of you can unpack it a little more for me, but I'm, I'm wondering if there is that kind of thing going on. That yep. because, you know, because we're associated and we're, we're family, quote unquote, uh, that makes everything we do right. And that's the yeah, disturbing no. thought to me. I mean, it's, it's tribalism. Yeah. I, and I think, I, think, I think you're absolutely right to tie it to January 6th. Um, I, and I mean, I think that word applies nicely to Tori's righteousness by proximity, right? It, I mean, it's the tribe of Abraham. Um, and and I, I do think you're right, too, to think that we have as a culture as a people however you want to phrase it substituted the tribal label for a moral judgment on somebody right like like one of the worst things to happen to america is for people to equate being a christian the label christian with being a good person um, right. And this is something Chrissy Stroop is really good about uh, breaking down, um, you know, Christians who are terrible people. She mm -hmm. tweeted earlier today are Christians, right? Yep. You can be a bad person and still be a Christian. And so many times we will hear, well, that they're not real Christians. And, and in, in all of the work that mm -hmm. I'm doing with January 6th and even before, I hear that every time I tweet about the Christian nationalists or the evangelicals or whoever it was carrying a Christian flag onto the floor of the Senate, saying a prayer in Jesus's name on the floor of the Senate, um, I inevitably get a response from several people saying they're not real Christians, you know, TM, whatever that, whatever that would be. Um, so I, and I think that I think that's a it's a huge problem. Um, and I think tribalism is a convenient shorthand for them. Yeah, and I it's it's a convenient way to distance yourself from the problematic behavior in your group to do yes. the no true scotsman thing where yeah. you know anyone that would do something that i would not approve of well obviously they're not they're not us and 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 that's it, it sounds I, and and other people do it too like i i've done it as well like when i was a christian i i definitely did it for sure and I still do it now, even in other ways. And it's something I try to work on, but it's, it is a, it is such a clever way to insulate yourself. And I think our egos are very clever to oh, prevent yeah. us from having to deal with these things. And you have to be very intentional. And it's just so easy to be like, yep, that's not really us, you know, but I also wonder if let's say the government was overthrown and we became a theocracy, those same people would probably be like, yep, God did it. We're, that's us. Yeah. We're one of them for oh, sure. God. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's, that's horrifying. Cool. Thanks. Mm -hmm. I, I appreciate sorry. that. Like somehow you made it darker, Justin. Uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm like, at least the lot thing didn't actually happen. I mean, uh, horrific things have happened throughout history. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but like lot wasn't a real dude. Like, also his name sucks. I can't believe I'm name shaming on my own podcast. It it's lot. awful. <laughs> it's, oh my gosh. It's terrible. I'm you? sorry. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> oh yeah. But, yeah. There's just, there's so many jokes to do with his name. It's terrible. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. I'll tell you. Gotta, gotta walk away. <laughs> just gotta walk away. 
So, yeah, what is the, are, are there any, I don't even know that there were too many good ethics I could have drawn from it as an evangelical, but are there any good ethics that we can draw from this story, even just by a negative example? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I think the, 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 I guess the prequel or, or scene one, you know, in Genesis 18, I, I, I think the, I like God's argument with Abraham or Abraham's argument with God, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, like arguing to save, uh, unfortunately, I mean, he's not arguing to save innocent people. He's arguing to save righteous people. I, I love the idea of arguing to save innocent people. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that, but you know, it, it's still not, it's still not great because it shows this passage show. I mean, it proves that the biblical God possesses n- not a discerning morality, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that Abraham, a human does. Um, and I, I like that because it kind of proves beyond all reasonable doubt um, that humans get their uh, morality innately, not from God. Um, I, I, I've never heard that taught in a, in a church as a as a moral here, um, but right. I mean, mm-hmm. it shows that the biblical mm-hmm. God has no morality, um, mm-hmm. but that yeah. Abraham, a human, knew it was wrong to mm-hmm. kill a bunch kill. of children in a town. Yeah. In a town, yeah. just because of what their parents may or not have done. Yep. I, I think a and big all-knowing deity didn't. Yeah, I think a big piece of my de- deconstruction was realizing that I had a better sense of morality than God did. Yeah. Like, yep. the, you know, and, and I remember wrestling with that too, being like, no, you know, uh, his ways are not my ways, you know, like, or whatever <laughs> you say to insulate yourself from that. But when it really hit home, they're like, no, I can understand context and, you know, that a child in, you know, somewhere else is not a Christian because of the accident of their birth and their environment not because so they don't deserve hell like it just basic things like i am more righteous than this god in yeah. the ethical terms and yeah. and yeah that is a and that the biblical text i wouldn't have ever seen that but it is interesting and there are other times too i'm trying to think of other times where biblical characters are pleading with god or or trying to be you know more righteous than god and i think i think a definitely a lesson to pull is we certainly are and and that is something we should you know be proud of as a species i guess that yeah no i think that's absolutely right and it goes to the label right nearly every christian is better than their bible nearly every christian is better than their god Mm -hmm. And, and i mean that that really that is a source of of great hope for me even in even in some of these these dark times Okay, I don't I don't want I don't want to cast anybody this time. Fuck lot. That's all that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, we do we do tend to cast people um in the potential movie, but I don't know that there's anyone I would want to curse with this role. Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> <laughs> uh let's just like use another rapist. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. Yeah, there's not a there's not like a a person I would want to see in this role. Well, all right. Well, then, Tori, let's hear who you would cast as angels then. Yeah. Oh, shit. No, don't do this. This is so mean. This is so mean. Okay, 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 okay. Hold on. <laughs> think about this. I can think um, of some people that you might cast as angels. This is, I feel so on the spot. You know what? I think that um, I'm going to go with Miguel. Probably most of you don't know what that man looks like. 
but but if you want to go look <laughs> that up, feel free. Um, I got to think about this. Definitely, yeah, definitely would go with Miguel for one of them. Am I allowed to do like femme angels or is that, do they have to be dude angels? I, th- I mean, like- I would imagine that that angels would be hard to pin down on gender just by looking. Uh, yeah, yeah but they got people pregnant. So it seems like they at least had dicks. I mean, yeah, but maybe. that doesn't mean they science. Don't. That means that doesn't mean they don't have. <laughs> I mean, other they don't things. have it. That's true. <laughs> oh man, uh, angel yeah. DNA. <clears throat> they got six wings, so maybe they have got you done Jesus's DNA yet? That's going to be a fun episode. Yeah, we did last time. <laughs> yes, we, <laughs> we have, talked about it a little have, bit. We have a little bit about it. Yeah, uh, apparently. So speaking of total sidetrack, I, I read somewhere some conspiracy theory that like apparently Paul Ryan claims to be or has been has been heralded as some descendant of jesus somewhere i don't what? know i'm just i hell? i remember reading that somewhere so as if i needed start- another reason to dislike paul ryan <laughs> yeah he started yeah. that rumor you know that yeah <laughs> yeah. From oh, yeah. yeah just like he leaked to those p90x <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> photos of himself yeah okay okay second angel is jadena i don't know why i'm going with two musicians but that's what i'm doing so Sounds- yeah <laughs> Yep, that's done. that's what I'm casting. I mean, yeah. I would just follow them around. Like, I'm not a rapist. I just follow them around and watch because I'm a creep. <laughs> I mean, you can just look. Just I mean, look. Don't touch. Also, like, you could just tell them, like, hey, um, next time you see a mob of people, you know, raping a, a person, you could step in Maybe, beforehand. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do something about that. Yeah, if, if I was going to, you know, like, have a... Uh, a thing that I would do, like I would staring at these beautiful angels, and then like, hey guys, this would really love for you. So to again, like you got to level you, angels, got to level their morality up to to at least human morality, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like you just just got you got to take it in a couple notches. Yeah, right, I mean, it's right? not working. Yeah, again, human morality is superior to the divine morality. So yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. Yep. I'm Bananas. That's a, that's a good that's a good place to land for sure. Especially oh. on this dark story, yeah, I have I have hope for humanity now. Yeah, can... it's like we're better than the Bible, you guys. Yes, guys, we're better than this. I think, fuck. There's at least that. Yes. There's at least that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we need. We need more people to more people to find the intellectual honesty, courage, and fortitude to examine that the way you two did. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's a. Yeah. It, it was a journey. For sure. <laughs> I really am. Like, I, re- for sure. I mean, I really am. I do mean that sincerely that I am. I am astounded by that. Uh, I mean, to have the courage to, and fortitude and honesty to examine these core beliefs, right? They're, they're, I mean, these are beliefs that that shape how your entire world is constructed, how you've been that you have been told were unequivocally true since you were old enough to understand words. Um, mm-hmm. that, that beliefs that were systematically and deliberately ingrained into you that you could examine and challenge and reject those beliefs is another thing that gives me hope for our species. I mean, it really, it really does. It shows that that we are capable of just amazing intellectual courage and honesty. Um, so I, I've, you should absolutely be saluted for that. I mean, it's a goddamn remarkable achievement. It really is. Mm. I mean, I think that for me, um, 
yeah, it was, it was realizing that I'm like, I'm a better parent than God. That was when I was like, okay, I'm out. (laughs) Like if God were my next door neighbor, beating on his kids, pulling out a blowtorch, apparently like I would call CPS, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's, I would not, nobody would be okay with that. Nobody would be okay with God as a neighbor. Like no one. Yeah. Not even, not even these like wild insurrectionist bullies. Like they, they wouldn't even be okay with that shit. <laughs> like they draw the line somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was, I mean, that was really where I was like, okay, I guess I'm out. <laughs> cool. Yeah. That was, that was fun. That was a waste of 30 years. Good times guys. <laughs> yeah. Like I think having kids was a big, was a huge catalyst in that it's, it's, and it's interesting too, because having kids, solidified a lot of things for me that most evangelicals would have rejected. Like for one, I did a ton of research on pregnancy and how children are formed. And I, I became, I became very more, I was a lot more pro-choice than I ever was. <laughs> and so, which is strange. Like I become a, I became a dad and became a lot more pro-choice um, mm-hmm. at the same time. And also just, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to nurture this tiny human Yeah, and, and realizing hearing evangelicals say, you know, children crying and trying to trick you. It's just their sin nature coming out or whatever. And I'm reading developmental psychology books. Like, no, they're screaming and crying because that is literally the only way they know how to get attention. And from an evolutionary perspective, probably the babies that screamed and cried were the ones that lived. Yep. You know, because I'm forgetful. If I had a really quiet baby, I would leave that thing like somewhere. Like, oh no, it's the middle of the night and a jaguar is like right outside your cave. Like, dude, if your baby isn't crying, like oops, they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, like, I'm so sorry. I it, forgot. It makes sense to me <laughs> that babies scream and cry. And and it does feel like a messenger of Satan in the night. I the 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 emotions that you feel for sure. But to attribute that to like some sin nature coming out, that that's their evil coming out. That's their innate wrongness coming out. I'm like, no, sorry, cut that out. Not for me. And there are just so many of those little milestones and like, uh, you know, physical punishment, like spanking my kids, Mm -hmm. you know, like something I was told to do. And I've I've said it on the podcast before, like the first time I, I did physically kind of like flick my daughter's hand, like she was super young. It wasn't, I didn't spank her or anything, but like, that instant of that response from her. I was like, mm, no, sorry, that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we, we yeah. got to rethink this. Um, and of course, psychology says very clearly that physically punishing your children does not set them up well for life. Um, you know, everyone that says I was spanked and I turned out fine. Like, no, you didn't. <laughs> like, you're, you're hitting a person who weighs 45 pounds. You did not turn out fine. Yeah. You, like, you, yeah, I, I, I was spanked as a kid and I don't blame my parents because I know the morality they were raised in. Like, I don't, but like definitely that fucked up some things in my head. Like that's like, so your that's children, little... your children see you as God in a lot of ways. Like you are mm-hmm. the gods to them and you're presenting the world to them. And I'm not going to emulate the God that I find in scripture to my kids. I'm not, I don't want to mirror that to them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll say from an outsider looking in like the the way that, children are i guess portrayed um is is just it's shocking and 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 the idea that they are i mean and you you see these these pop up on social media from time to time um you know some of these evangelical preachers and pastors 
tweeting out about how you need to discipline your kids and that they are, uh, you know, and it, it, and seeing those things and never having bought into that, um, mm. it, it's, it's crazy to, to me to think that somebody, not that they would buy into it. I get that, especially if you've been told your whole life, but that they, they then double down and defend it and like project it to a, the wide world that that's, that's how, I guess, confident they are in that belief. Um, and it's just, it's the opposite of what it means to be a parent and what it means to have a family. And, um, you know, I get into this in the founding myth. I have a whole chapter on Christian family values um, and how, how fucked up that, that whole system is. Um, and the idea that it's treated in our politics as, as this net positive for society is, is even more bonkers. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I feel myself mounting a soapbox and I shall no it's 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 a good soapbox and we would definitely love to have you on again as a a, to talk about christian family values oh oh boy andrew are you ready for that shit (laughs) Um, but uh yeah i think we i think you know we we've landed this lot story as on the most positive way i think we could Um, (laughs) and i unfortunately everybody's drunk they didn't quite get to the point where we were like kids are people too you guys <laughs> well uh, if you are just waking up out of a drunken stupor at this moment <laughs> please go back about 15 minutes or so and because it is you know very good stuff and, and yes i think humans are capable of fantastic things and fantastic feats and i think we don't always give us enough credit and i i yeah, yeah. definitely appreciate yeah, that note true. um so Andrew, where Andrew, can they where find can you? Find your stuff on the things. Or where do you, where do you want to be found? Yes. <laughs> Better question. Yeah. Only fans. Um, no. Oh, um, that's so I, sweet. <laughs> I, uh, I the the book is the founding myth. I would love for everybody to pick up a copy of that. I'm there's going to be a um, you can pre-order the paperback right now, which has a an epilogue um, that I wrote just relating to the insurrection. Yeah. Um, so I'd really love everybody to go pick up a copy of that from the library or pre-order the, the paperback. Um, and if you've read it, le- please leave a review. Super helpful. Uh, and then I'm at Andrew L. Seidel on all the things on the gram and the Twitter and the Facebook, which I don't really use very much anymore. Um, I use Twitter and Instagram. Um, a lot of puppy content on Instagram at the moment. <laughs> yep. Who's, who's going to complain? Yeah. Um, and then uh, the Freedom From Religion Foundation, the organization I work for, uh, FFRF. Everybody, uh, if you care about state church separation and uh, you think we'd be better off with less religion in politics, support FFRF. We can use all the help we can get right now. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, thank you, everybody. You can find more content from us at Go Home Bible uh, on the Twitters and the Instagrams. Uh, we also have a Patreon uh at patreon.com slash go home bible and if you uh, just aren't bl- blessed right now with some extra cash which is totally understandable you can always give us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice or just share this podcast with someone if you found it interesting you found it fascinating uh you want to have a conversation with them about it please you know share the podcast farm wide it really helps us out and yeah we definitely appreciate you listening so have a great week and enjoy yourself. Don't get too hungover.
<laughs> thank you so much for having me on you too. It was a real pleasure. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Loved it. All right. Thank you. All right. We're Bye. Done. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.